Your home is your creative canvas. It can be an expression of your unique style, and only Wayfair has everything you need to bring that vision to life. All right, we just got my daughter the cutest cozy swivel chair, and it's like fuzzy, and it sits in the corner of her bedroom, and I love it. Well, Wayfair makes it easy with fast and free shipping, even on big stuff like your fluffy chair, Ange. They'll even help you set it up. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com, Wayfair, every style, every home. Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a backyard staycation, Macy's has what you need. I'm going to throw out some brands for you here. Nina Parker, Vince Camuto, Dolce Vita, Levi's, Lacoste. I could go on. Shop summer's must-haves, summer dresses, match sets. I love a match set. Love a match set. Yeah, I know. Volume sleeve tops. What? Give it some volume. Espadrilles, wedges, straw, crafted bags, and so much more. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the ultimate Office rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind the scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. Hi, everybody. Hey there. You guys, I'm so excited to be here today. Not that I'm not always excited. But I don't know. I just really enjoyed this episode. It cracked me up. I liked it too. I It was a surprise to me. I had kind of a little bit forgotten about this one. Yeah, I hadn't seen this in a good while. So it was just fun to be an audience. Well, let's tell everyone what we're talking about today. It is Money Part 1, which is Season 4, Episode 7, written by Paul Lieberstein and directed by Paul Lieberstein. Yes. Should I hit you with a summary? I was hoping you would. I knew you were. I knew you wouldn't let it go by without a summary. A great summary. I would never. I would never. An amazing summary by me? I'm hoping for a summary and three fast facts. I mean, come on. Oh, lady, you're going to be happy. Good. I'm going to sip my tea and listen and only judge a little. Go for it. What? (laughs) All right, here we go. (laughs) Here's the summary. Michael is forced to confront his money woes as Jan renovates his condo. He has to take a second job as a telemarketer. Pam and Jim spend a night at Dwight's family beet farm, which he is now running as a bed and breakfast. Kelly and Daryl work on their relationship, and Andy tries to woo Angela. Applause! Thank you. Any judgments? Any judgments there? No, no, no. Oh, not, not yet. Good so far. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, fast fact number one. Now, I mentioned that this episode was written by Paul and directed by Paul, but this was actually the first episode directed by Paul Lieberstein. Ah, yeah. So he will go on to direct many more, but this was his office directorial debut. Oh, gee. Yeah. So I reached out to him. Because I was like, I mean, he wrote it, he directed it, let's hear from him. Yeah. And he told me that he wrote this episode while he was on vacation in Russia. What? Yeah. I didn't know he'd ever vacationed in Russia, Paul. Would have been a really interesting thing to banter about while we were on set, waiting for lights to go up and stuff. 
He's holding back. I did know he'd been to Russia. Oh, so <laughs> there you go. How was it? Was it great? It was great. He had a great, great time. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said that he was so excited to be able to write and direct this episode because it featured the first visit to Dwight's farmhouse at Shroot Farms. Because we've been there. We saw the barn in the initiation and all that. But he got to completely invent Dwight's home Mm -hmm. and what it looked like and all of that stuff. And he said that he got the idea for Dwight to run a bed and breakfast during a trip to Italy a couple of years before. He is a world traveler. He's well-traveled. Yes. So while he was in Italy, he had seen a bunch of signs for this farm B&B stay. You go stay on people's farms in Italy. Sounds amazing. I just want Paul to know, if you're listening, Paul, you don't have to go all the way to Italy for that. You can have a farm <laughs> B&B right here. I'm sure like my family farm in Texas would um take you in. I would love to have a farm B&B experience at your parents' farm. I would love that so much. I would love to get up in the morning and go check on the cows with you. <laughs> oh, lady, you're speaking my language. Well, Paul just said he loved imagining Dwight as a proprietor of a bed and breakfast. And he also told me he did so much to prepare for this episode. He really like overprepared because it was just a really big deal to him. And he wanted it to be full of so many details. And it was. Oh, yes. There's so many cool details. And we're going to point them out to you as they come up. Definitely. All right. Fast fact number two is a location breakdown. I knew this was coming. The Shroot Farms location breakdown. I have been to this farm many times. Let's hear what you got. So we mentioned before that we shot Shroot Farms on the Disney Ranch in Santa Clarita, California. We went back for this episode, and this time we used the Olivia's House location. That is the farmhouse that we transformed into Dwight's B&B. Yes, you guys should know this is a vast property and they have different areas where they film. So they have the barn, right, where you saw the initiation. And then they have little houses and different areas that you can use to create sort of this rustic look for TV and film. But these houses, they're just shells. There's nothing in them. Nothing. They're just like exterior shell walls. The walls are not insulated. So it got very, very cold at night. Any of the night scenes, we were freezing freezing and drafty and everything's a little bit dusty. Like if you sit on something like a little cloud of like, yeah, it kind of comes out of it. And our set designers had to go in and they had to meticulously decorate every single room. We every item you see, we put there. That's right. That's right. I have a feeling they went in first and cleaned and then decorated. (laughs) Why is my memory of Shroot Farm so dusty? Well, I remember sneezing a lot. It's dusty. It's old, it's run down, you know, you wouldn't want to lean against the wall. I'll just say that. No. You might go right through it. (laughs) You might. Now, we have another location in this episode. Michael takes a job as a telemarketer. And I asked Kentopedia about this location. The exterior, when you see him walking into the building, Mm -hmm. we shot that in Van Nuys. That was near our studio. But the inside of the building... We shot on the 10th floor of the L.A. Times building in downtown L.A. Now, this shocked me. This shocked me because this building is stunning, stunning. 
It housed the LA Times until 2017. It was designed by this man named Gordon B. Kaufman in the Art Deco style in the 1930s. It won a gold medal at the 1937 Paris Exposition. And it's just, it's so weird to me that this very like ordinary telemarketing office is housed inside of this gorgeous piece of architecture. I know that is so wild because we don't do that building justice at all. We make it look just like any cubicle office anywhere, right? Yeah. Well, I shot a commercial in my 20s in downtown LA and I was really stunned because it was a gorgeous building and we were shooting on like the 12th floor and then they had like craft and service on a different floor. You know, they used a few floors and it was like three floors in a row with no people, no one. Wow. So I think there are like sort of buildings downtown that have just a lot of vacancy. Yeah, there must be. I know. It was it was really eerie because we were filming at night and it was like a dark corridor. I was like, ooh. Well, I visited the LA Times back in college as part of a film and television summer workshop. Oh, that cool. Was coordinated by UCLA. And we got to go in and see how they make newspapers. And I remember the lobby, it has this great big globe and I have all these pictures. It was it was just amazing. I would love that. I would sign up for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love a tour. We would sign up for almost any tour, I feel like. We would. I mean, I feel like we could do a podcast where it's just you and I taking tours and talking about the... <laughs> Today, we went to the peanut factory. Oh, lady, that's a brilliant idea. We have to do that. We travel and go on tours and then tell people about the yeah. <laughs> tour we went on. I mean, selfishly, I want to do that. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay. <laughs> okay, well... Speaking of travel, fast fact number three, TripAdvisor features very heavily in this episode. Yes. And I want you guys to know, we really did create a page on the real TripAdvisor for Shroot Farms. And our producers made two profiles and gave two reviews. So you could go on after watching the episode and see these two reviews and see the page We hear one of them in the episode. That's the one from Jim and Pam, and their profile name was J&P2. But the other one that you don't hear in the episode, Angela, was from Sprinkle's mom. I know. And it's a really negative review. (laughs) It's very negative. Did you find it too? I did. It says, stay away. Proprietor is crazy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You have to read it. You have to read it. Okay. It says... I have to warn people about the proprietor of Shroot Farms. He may portray himself as a gentleman farmer, but he is not what he seems. He killed my cat, Sprinkles. Who knows what he might do to you or your loved ones? (laughs) Oh. So the profiles are no longer there and those reviews are no longer there. But Shroot Farms is still a page on TripAdvisor. It has over 1,300 reviews and it has four stars. I went on the Shroot Farms TripAdvisor page, and I want you guys to know it's it's got a little write-up. It's got a photo. This is something that cracked me up. It says, here are the languages spoken at Shroot Farms. Are you ready? I'm ready. Now, we know this is just Dwight and Moe's, but here are the languages <laughs> spoken. Okay. Azerbaijani, Bosnian, Burmese, Hebrew, Hindi, Hungarian, Icelandic, Portuguese, Oddly not on the list is German, and Dwight answers the phone, Gutentag. Aha. Uh-huh. 
So uh, TripAdvisor, you might want to update that. And TripAdvisor's like, guys, this isn't real. We just agreed <laughs> to do it. And then the other thing I thought was kind of cool about this, and it's a little bit of a callback, um, this was also a task in the Dunder Mifflin Infinity online game. Posting a review of Shroot Farms was part of Dunder Mifflin Infinity's game on their website. That is so cool. And you can still post, as Jenna said, your review today. And I just read one as recent as December 2020. Someone made up a review. Now, I read one, Angela, and I wasn't sure if it was real or not. Oh, yeah? But a person wrote, guys, this place is not real. I drove (laughs) all the way there and there is nothing there. And I was very disappointed. Oh, no. And I was like, wait. Wait, did this person really drive to this weird remote location in Pennsylvania hoping to find Shroot Farms? You've got to know there's at least one person, right, that doesn't know that it was part of the show and just is wanting to go see it, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry, person who drove there. Sorry, buddy. Well, that's all I got, lady. Well, I thought those were fantastic fast facts. No judgy. No judgy, lady. Oh, I get a no judgy. A no judgy for you today. That is high praise. (laughs) Well, before we go to break, we have some great news to share with you guys. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Thanks to the Office Ladies fans. We won iHeartRadio's Podcast of the Year. Podcast of the Year, guys. Of the Year. Thank you so much for voting for us. You really have no idea how excited we are about this. We are very, very proud. I mean, lady, we put our heart into this podcast every week. We do. And I am going to cherish this award and put it in a very prominent spot. I'm going to make people pass by it and ask me what it is whenever they come to my house. Oh, I'm going to be super braggy about it. And I'm not going to apologize. (laughs) No, you are not. This just means the world to us. You know, we love this show. We love rewatching it. We love the community that has come here to do this journey with us. And we get to work with our best friend. You guys, it's such a blessing. I am so thankful. I have such gratitude. I already know where I'm putting mine. I'm putting mine right between my tight ass Dundee Award and my She's Kind of a Bitch Award. (laughs) Those are my two Dundies and it's going right in between them. Well, you're going to trip over mine when you walk through my door. That's where mine's going. It's going on the floor. No! Right in front of my door so that everyone has to say, what's that, as they walk into my house. So there you go. It's going to be a really weird spot. Thank you guys so much. It really means a lot. Yeah, thank you. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. So this winter... We went on a little ski trip with another family, and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because you can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we all carry around different stressors. Some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up, and it can start to affect us. Well, therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can finally get a chance to talk about all those stressors. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OfficeLadies today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OfficeLadies. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up, did I leave a window open? Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe Home Security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the U.S. News and World Report, and Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space, you know? I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/officeladies. That's simplysafe.com/officeladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Okay, so we are back, and this scene starts with Michael walking in, and he just throws his coat on Pam, and I know it's what you're all here for, but at one second, there's a fantastic shot of the plant at front reception. Tell us all about it. Okay, it's got an orange pot, and I'm very curious what kind of plant this is. It's got very skinny stems, and then kind of wispy, floofy leaves. What kind of plant is that? My plant people, hit me up. I want to know. Well, when I spoke with Steve, our set decorator, he told me that most of the plants that he put at reception were of the vine variety because they did not flower and they stayed pretty consistent for a whole week. Well, I am familiar with the vine plants and I don't know what this one is. So our um, Beasley Botanical experts out there, hit me up. Let me know what kind of plant that is. It's at one second. Thank you. Well, this whole cold open is very funny. We find out from Pam in a talking head that Michael has been watching the movie The Devil Wears Prada, but he doesn't watch it all at once. He watches it in little clips. He's a big Meryl Streep fan, so he's clearly identified with her character, and now he is treating Pam the way Meryl Streep treats her employees in the film. It cracks me up that he watches it in little clips because if you really look at the scene, you can tell because he clearly just sees the part where she goes, steak, give me a steak, (laughs) you know? So he'll just come out and sort of like just regurgitate what he just watched in like 10 seconds. Well, we had a fan question about this from Amy S., Louise M., Ellen P., and Hannah C., was John Krasinski with Emily Blunt yet when Michael does these references to The Devil Wears Prada, or was it just a coincidence? It was a coincidence, you guys. I 
I watched this with my daughter and Isabel said, Mom, Devil Wears Prada. Isn't that John's wife? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, listen, this is not the only coincidence and it brings up a very interesting set of trivia that I have called Six Degrees of Devil Wears Prada. Oh, I am in it. Let's hear it. The Office cast has a lot of connections to the cast of The Devil Wears Prada. Do you want to hear them? Yes, because I can only think of two. Okay, go. All right. Well, we know that John Krasinski will marry Emily Blunt. Mm -hmm. Steve Carell will go on after this episode to star in Get Smart with Anne Hathaway. Ah. Rain Wilson was in Entourage with Adrian Grenier. Oh, that's a good one. Rich Summer, who was also in Devil Wears Prada, will later appear on The Office as Pam's art school friend. And listen to this one. The movie The Devil Wears Prada was based on a book written by Lauren Weisberger, and she's from Scranton. What? Yeah. Angela, you and I will eventually fake laugh at an award show with Meryl Streep. We will. I feel like that counts. <laughs> she she will have no idea and does not remember that moment, but we did walk up to her fake laughing. And finally, this one's a little bit of a stretch, but Stanley Tucci will marry Emily Blunt's sister in real life. That's the other one I was thinking of. I, I love that, by the way, that that's a stretch, but us laughing adjacent to Meryl Streep is not a stretch. No. Um, okay. I want you guys to know, though, a few months ago, this video went viral of Stanley Tucci making a cocktail. It is fantastic. I highly recommend you watch it start to finish. Um, He just seems really cool. It's like, I want to hang out with Stanley Tucci in his kitchen. Yes, I want to sit on a stool in his kitchen while he makes me a cocktail. Yes, everyone does. Um, Stanley Tucci, you heard that. So you're going to have two uninvited guests at some point. We'll be over soon. (laughs) So this cold open ends with a Pam talking head that is really funny. And Jenna, I want you to check out the bloopers because you and Paul Lieberstein, you can hear him laughing off camera. The two of you could not get through this talking head about million dollar baby. You kept cracking up. Yes. When Pam has to realize that Michael is going to kill her, we couldn't get through it. (laughs) We couldn't get through it. I couldn't hold it long enough afterwards without laughing. Well, it's hilarious. And there's fun bloopers. You can check it out. Well, this episode opens with Michael and Jan. Jan's in another juicy couture tracksuit, and uh, it's all she wears now. And yeah, absolutely. And they're picking out fabric for the condo. They're doing some redecorating. Yeah, there's a whole runner in deleted scenes where she comes in with this box of all this sort of fabric and curtain and and all this kind of like samples. And Michael is just avoiding going into his office to talk to her. He like starts talking to Phyllis out of nowhere and Stanley. And they're like, what are you doing? Jan's waiting for you. Well, he has a talking head where he explains why he might be avoiding things because money is really tight. Jan is insisting that they spend all this money redecorating the condo. But, you know, at the end of his life, when he's sitting on his yacht, he's not going to be thinking about money. He's going to be thinking about how many friends he has and his children and his comedy albums. And by the way, he has a yacht, so he probably did pretty well money-wise. I thought that was so funny. Well, Jenna, as I remember, you have some very strong feelings on yachts. And yacht ownership? I do. (laughs) I don't get it. 
there was this time when I felt like every time I opened Instagram, every celebrity was like yachting. They were getting (laughs) on a yacht. And I was like, what is this world? I don't get it. This yachting vacation world. You're cooped up in a small space on water. I have to imagine you get seasick and there's a crew right on top of you. Like I like privacy when I'm on vacation. I don't I I mean, listen, that's a whole other thing that I have. And I think it's because I spent so much time in the service industry being a caterer or whatever, you know. People don't see you when you're a caterer or something, when you're bringing them the drinks and the hors d'oeuvres. But newsflash, we can actually hear you and see you and everything you're doing. And I can't tell you how many like fancy Hollywood parties I catered. I observed so much stuff. People just act like you're invisible. I I wouldn't be able to relax on a yacht. I wouldn't be able to relax because I would know that they're watching me. They're listening. <laughs> I love how do how do these celebrities behave this way on yachts? How are they relaxed? I love. I don't get it. Your pivot about yachting, (laughs) like I thought. I thought we're going to talk about how it seems wasteful to spend that much money on a boat, but you're like, but also they're watching you. They're watching you. No, it is also. I don't get that part. But ultimately, I think what it is is that I like cities and museums, and I like walking. On my vacations. I'm not a, I'm not like a sit on a boat and take selfies person. Like I, that doesn't, no, I, that's not for me. I love a boat. I love the ocean. I love getting out on the ocean, but I don't need a vacation in the boat. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I like to be on land, but then take the boat places like adventures. Yes. Like you would want to go diving or snorkeling. Yes. Yes. But then return to land for the sleeping part. Yes. And the hanging out part and the eating and all that. Yeah. Well, we're not yachters. We've, we've, we've proved you know that. What, you know what you're not going to hear on Office Ladies? An ad for yachting. <laughs> you know what else you're not going to hear? Oh, my God. I was on the most fabulous yacht. Oh, my God. Cut to two years from now when, like, we're yachting. And we're on a yacht. That's what happens in the universe. You put something out there and you're like, I would never. And then all of a sudden the universe is like, joke's on you. You're a yachter. We get invited to tour the factory where they make yachts. <laughs> and we love them. And they take us out on one. And then we take a selfie on a yacht. Listen, I would love a yacht factory tour. I know. I would, too. So now we're at Jim and Dwight's desk pod. And Jim overhears Dwight taking what sounds like a reservation for a bed and breakfast. And Jim's uh, like, what, what? What? What's happening? It's so funny. Jim is clearly on hold with someone or has just made a call and he hangs up so he can better focus on Dwight's phone call. Yeah, it's really good. And for our background catchers, there is a great shot of Dwight's computer screen and it just looks like a paper order. So way to go props. You can't see what Rain was actually surfing on the internet. I have a couple of other background catches here. At three minutes, 30 seconds in the background at reception, I am smiling at Randall, our camera operator. Oh, I didn't realize we had started rolling. Oh, that's so cute. So you can see me share a moment with Randall and then quickly get into character. Also in the background on Creed's computer, he is playing an epic game of solitaire. That sounds about right. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Dwight has this talking head about agro-tourism, and it's more than just a B&B. It's about people visiting a farm, and you give them a bed, and, and, and it's like a whole experience. And Pam calls to sort of make a fake reservation, but ends up, like, booking a trip to Shroop Farms. Yeah. It, it's going to be Jim and Pam's first night away together. Okay. I love that, actually. I think that's super sweet. Well, it's definitely like a weekend they'll never forget. Michael has a talking head where he explains they used to have two cars, but they traded them in. Now they just have one, and the new car is a Porsche for Jan. Yeah. I mean, Jan is just dismantling his whole life. And when he says, I need the car tonight, she's like, for your improv, can't you just improv driving there or take the bus. Like she doesn't even know where he's going or what he's doing. She has no idea the big hole financially that she's creating and how he is scrambling. Yeah, I know. It's very sad. It made me sad. Well, we had a fan catch here from Matthew L., Colby Shannon, Joseph Stevens, Catherine A., and McKenna H., among others, who said... Michael says that they traded in both of their cars to buy a Porsche for Jan, but wasn't Michael Sebring a company lease? How would he have traded it in? Hmm. Good catch. Maybe if you don't take the company car, you get some sort of cash credit, and he used that for the Porsche. That sounds like a good theory. Do we like that? I made that up just now. I like it very much. Okay. Well, now, lady, we've got this great scene of you and Dwight in the parking lot. You're getting some of your belongings back. Yes. Dwight gives Angela her cardigan, her sleeping cardigan, her sleep apnea mask. And then Angela asks, well, where's my chair figurine? And Dwight says, I I don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, you didn't leave it there. I've looked all over. I've scrubbed the room of your memory. And she's like, huh, fine. Well, I had a few questions about these items. For example, the sleeping cardigan. Yeah. Is it a thing? Let me tell you, because I Googled it. Oh. It is. So (gasps) if if you type in sleeping cardigan on Google, one of the first things that comes up is a sleep sweater from Target. What? How do you not already know about this? I don't know. Target expert. (laughs) I know. It said sleeping sweaters. You can get them at Target. Sleeping sweaters. Well, I shot a movie in Detroit. Mm -hmm. It was the movie that I fell in love with Lee. Aw. Giant Mechanical Man. And it was very cold and we were staying in this hotel and I could not get warm and I wore a sweater to bed and a hat. I was like fully dressed when I went to sleep. Oh, I go to sleep with like three layers on and Josh is in like his undies. Well, it's ridiculous. You clearly need a sleeping cardigan from Target. I guess I need a sleep sweater, is what Target calls it. Mm. And then Angela also gets her sleep apnea mask back. Do we find out that Angela has sleep apnea? I mean, this is a serious sleep disorder. Well, we got a fan question from Rachel Nielsen about that. She was very surprised when Dwight handed Angela the CPAP machine. She said, as someone who used to work in the sleep disorder industry, this was very interesting to me because Angela does not fit the typical CPAP profile. I would have thought Dwight used it. Was there any thought process or backstory 
for Angela on this or was this a total surprise? No backstory for me. I think this made the writer's room chuckle and it went in the script. Well, I feel very worried for Angela knowing now that she hasn't had her sleep apnea machine for a while. I know. This caused me to feel anxious. I don't like thinking that people are without the necessary tools or medicines that they need for any period of time. You know what really bothers me? What? It really bothers me if I'm watching a movie and someone gets even a minor injury and they don't deal with it immediately. It really I get I'm very distracted by it. Like someone gets a cut and they don't like wrap it up right. It happens a lot in action films and it really bugs me. But what really bothers me is after someone gets an injury, when the villain presses on the injury, Mm. you know, like someone gets like a bullet to the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And then when they're being interrogated by the villain, the villain presses on their wound. I can't. Mm -hmm. It's the heebie-jeebies for me and I can't deal with it. Well, do not watch the show alone where they drop people off in the middle of nowhere and they have to just survive because they get injured and they have to try to patch it up on their own. No. And if it, if it gets really bad, they send a medic in, but it's got to get bad for the medic to like chop her in. No, you no. couldn't do See, it. I can't. I you couldn't can't. do it. And then, you you know, of course, you're constantly seeing like their banged up thumb as they try to fish. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. I can't. I can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. No. Well, the last thing on the list, of course, is the chair figurine. And I want you guys to know I own one. <laughs> do you have the one from the show? No, no. It's so funny to me. I was given one as a gift. I don't know when, even like in high school from like, I don't know, Aunt Brenda, did you give it to me? Anyway, I have a little cherub figurine and it went with me to college and sat on my windowsill and it made its way all the way to California. And it was on my dresser with like my dresser in the bedroom. And I need to go see if it's still there because at some point, Isabel thought it was cute. And then Isabel would like, like, I think put it in her room. I'm going to try to track it down, guys. Anyway, long, boring story to tell you. In real life, I have a chair figurine. Also, at six minutes and 24 seconds in this scene, Angela, you are wearing very high heels. Why? So high. Oh, probably because I had to stand next to Rain. Because normally in my scenes with him, he's seated. And if I have to stand next to him, he's 6'3", I am 5'1". You get the big heels, get brought out. Well, these were... Massive. Guys, check it out. Six minutes, 24 seconds. And also, if you toggle back to six minutes, nine seconds, there's a great shot of my cat hair clip that Kim Ferry, who did my hair, made herself with like a glue gun. And years later, she gave it to me in a shadow box and I have my cat hair clips. Aww. I know. So now we're going to move on to the scene where Kevin makes a big announcement to the bullpen that he would really love them to come see his band. It's like a battle of the bands night. And there's going to be an applause meter. And he will only win by clapping. And he wants everyone to come and clap for his band, Scrantonicity 2. Not Scrantonicity, which he is no longer a part of. There is clearly some bad blood that we don't know about. But he invites invites the whole office to please come. Well, we had a fan question about this. Okay. From Naomi Y, Beatrice W, M. Rains, Allison Quigley, and Elizabeth Shannon. They said, Why didn't Pam go see Kevin's band? No one came to her art show and she felt so hurt. Wouldn't she want to see Kevin so he wouldn't feel unsupported the way she did? Mm. Wow, that's a really good call. Yeah. 
here's what I'm thinking, guys. I'm thinking maybe she has gone to see his band. Maybe she went to go see Scrantonicity. Maybe everyone in the office has gone to see it. And this is like another request to come see the band. You know those people, right? Like they're in the pand or they do stand up. And you're like, dude, I've seen seven of your stand up shows. Like I can't come to this one tonight. I just can't do it. Maybe that's what's happening. I think I was this person because I was always in an improv show. I was always like, hey, catch my improv show. And people are like, you perform three times a week for like the last four years. I can't come see you do improv anymore. Stop asking me. I can relate too because I did all that stuff too. And I know that especially with stand-up, like at least at the level that I was performing. Guys, I didn't do stand-up. I did this really weird um, comedic magic show. I won't go down that rabbit hole now. What? <laughs> yeah. What? I did. It was like a... um. It, I, I was a silent comedic magician. What? And I performed to music what? in comedy clubs. Jenna, this is so amazing. I cannot believe I didn't know this about you. We've been friends for so long. You were like a comedic mime? Yeah. What? I would give anything to see yeah. that. Anything. I did magic tricks using my hands. Oh God. And they weren't really magic. It was a joke, but I performed it as if I was a great magician. So it was like a, like an ironic kind of like. And you did it to music. To music. And did you speak? No, no, there was (gasps) no speaking. Oh lady. Yeah. I I need a photo. I need a video. I need something. Okay, I need, I I'll do the show life. for you sometime. This was what? my only foray into what? what? Promise me we will have wine together and you will do this for me. Promise I'll do me. it. I still have my tuxedo and Shut the music. Up! Yeah, I still have it. You wore a tuxedo. Yes, I was a fancy magician. I wore a coat and tails. Oh my God. Yeah. So listen, my point is. I don't know how to come back from that. I don't know. It's going to take me a beat. Okay. Well, listen, what I'm saying in relation to Scrantonicity 2 is in my experience performing this show, the number of people you brought in who bought a ticket to like the comedy show that night, that determined your placement in the show. So like if no one came, you'd be at the end of the night and you'd be performing to a room of like three people. Right. So, you know, this is why Kevin needs people to come, I think, because, well, he has the applause meter. I don't know. This has gone very off topic, everyone. I'm sorry. I, I, my heart is so full. (laughs) I am, I am, this is a gift I was not expecting today. I have all of these visuals in my head of you in a tuxedo, miming magic tricks at a comedy club it's um yeah oh it's it's just a hundred percent awesome okay well now michael also says he cannot go to kevin's show and jim and pam they're like oh light bulb this is when we tell him we should have dinner because they know he's not available so sneaky you two yes 
Also, very sweet to realize that if Michael was available, he probably would go to Kevin's show because that's Michael, right? Of course, he goes to everything. Yeah. And also, maybe now it's an opportunity to get away from Jan. Yeah. There's There's a whole deleted scene runner where he's just avoiding having to talk to her. Well, the reason that Michael can't go to this show or have dinner with Jim and Pam is because he has taken a second job as a telemarketer to pay his bills. And Paul does this very beautiful thing, I think, in his directing. As Michael's riding the bus, getting off the bus stop, walking into this building, you hear this dialogue and it says, I'm sorry, Mr. O'Brien, I didn't mean to interrupt your dinner. I just have a very exciting offer. My records indicate that you have expressed interest in losing some weight. Well, what if I told you that I have a pill that will make you 50 pounds lighter in five minutes? How does that sound? Amazing, right? And it's this wonderful way that we now as an audience know exactly what's happening. Yeah. Before we even see what's in the building. I thought Mm -hmm. it was so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's some beautiful writing. Well, now also Pam and Jim are arriving to Shroot Farms. Yeah. Pam is clearly in super pun mode. She's calling it the Beats Motel, the Embassy Beats, the Radish Inn. She's she's in rare form. Well, this scene of Jim and Pam driving up to Shroot Farms, this is the scene where John turned on the seat warmer ah! on my side of the car. We talked about it when he came on Office Ladies. Yes, he called it his Clooney joke, right? Yes. Yes. I just kept getting so hot. I was like, John, I am so hot. Are you hot? He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And he had turned on my seat warmer. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Because you couldn't have the AC on in the car. That was the thing because it messed with the sound. Right. So we had to have, you know, the car is getting warm. It was warm in the day. And then on top of it, your seat is heating up. That's so great. Well, I want you guys to know, right as they turn down the road to go to Shroot Farms, when this scene is happening, there's a great shot of the Shroot Farms mailbox. And many times that I filmed there with rain, one time I took my camera and I took all of these kind of artsy photos and I took an artsy photo of the mailbox. (laughs) But I love it. I actually think it'd be really cool. Like I should like blow it up like canvas size. I think it looks really cool. We had a fan question about this scene of Jim and Pam arriving at Shroot Farms from Amaya Norsi. She said, at around 8 minutes, 21 seconds, Mose appears behind their car and starts running alongside them. How was that decided? Because it's really funny and it creates Mose's personality. I reached out to Paul. I would love to hear what he says. Well, first of all, he came up with the idea for Mose running alongside the car while in a cafe in Russia. (laughs) I love how it's like his inspiration is in Russia. It's hilarious. I love how he's always in these like foreign countries when he is writing these scripts and having his good ideas. But he said he started laughing out loud at the idea of Mose running alongside the car, quote, like a dog. And that's what he wrote in the script. So that moment was totally scripted that Mose would run alongside the car like a puppy dog to greet the new visitors. 
And it was written by an American tourist in Russia laughing out loud by himself to no one. In a cafe. In a cafe. (laughs) Um, Well, I wanted to commend Mike Schur on how fast he is. I was so fast. Dang. And you guys, we filmed that several times. We filmed that arrival because we had to film it with a cameraman inside the car. But then we also have a shot of us driving where we took the cameraman out of the car and they just shot John and I. So, all I mean, Mike ran a lot that day. Well, I think Mike was put through the ringer in this episode. There is a whole deleted scene where he is jumping on a kind of busted trampoline for Pam and Jim. And doing all of these things, helicopter, look over here. And he's doing like constantly, he was on that trampoline doing tons of stuff. He must have been so sore after and this day. hot and tired. Yeah. Well, lady, why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to meet Nick Figaro, manager to the stars, and also take a look inside Shroot Farms. I like it. All right, I'm going to take a break and I will not be on a yacht, but I might be doing some magic. Listen to this, because this sounds amazing to me. Ready? Okay. In a world that stops for no one, with life dominated by screens, there's still a place filled with endless reasons to put the phone down and pick up life. Doesn't that sound lovely? Where are we talking about? South Dakota. That's where Lee was born. Really? South Dakota. How did I not know that? I don't know. I didn't know he was born in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. He has family there. Well, South Dakota is a great place to vacation and adventure. You can get worlds away from home in the Badlands, find peace among the pines in the Black Hills, and unwind with each bend of the Missouri River. And if you're looking for love, you might find a Lee there. Oh, my gosh. Made a good fella, South Dakota did. From Sioux Falls to Deadwood, you'll find yourself getting lost in a place that brings you closer to the world around you. You can immerse yourself in the creativity of both contemporary and traditional crafts. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at TravelSouthDakota.com. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed to connect with candidates faster by scheduling, screening, and messaging. And Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 23 hires were made on Indeed every minute, according to Indeed Data Worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Just go to Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So now we are back. Michael is in his cubicle at the telemarketing company and his boss, Nick Figaro, notices the camera crew. He walks over. He's like, what's happening here? Michael's like, it's okay. They're with me. And then he has this very funny speech where he's like, we're a legitimate operation. Like clearly they're not because he clearly not. He has to like point that out. Well, the actor who plays Nick Figaro is Alan Wasserman. 
And here are some other roles that he has played. He's done a ton of television shows, but I also found it interesting that he played the gym teacher in the Tom Hanks movie Big and the job interviewer in the Tom Cruise movie Cocktails. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are two great movies. Well, my favorite thing is when he does what Michael always does. He calls a conference room meeting. Five minutes. And Michael's yes. like, oh, these things are useless. Yes. And then in this conference room meeting, when Nick Figaro is trying to explain how to make a sale, Michael is just making jokes under his breath. Yes. And his coworkers love him. He's the gem of the telemarketing office. He is. And they just want him to hang out with him. They're constantly inviting him to go hang out. There's deleted scenes where they, they are just, they hang on his every word. Well, I got very interested in this scene at 10 minutes, 25 seconds. There is a couple. Did you see them? The woman is pregnant, very pregnant. And this man, they're all over each other. Very lovey-dovey, right? And they are in all the other deleted scenes, too. They're always sort of like in some kind of embrace. I became a little bit obsessed with them. I was like, is this woman really pregnant? Were they hired as a couple? What is the story here? So I did a bit of a deep dive. Okay. I found out that the woman is an actress named Ann Maddox. And then I found out that Ann Maddox is our producer Cody's friend. What? They're friends on Instagram. I deep dived. I was like, how can I get an in with this woman, Anne? So Cody reached out to her friend and she answered all my questions. Oh, give me all of it. I want it. Give it to me. Okay, here's how it went down. Anne was a performer at UCB and she said that there was a request for female performers to come in for a role on The Office. She was not pregnant in real life. But the role was for a young pregnant woman working nights alongside her baby daddy. And it was scripted that this couple would be lovey-dovey and affectionate constantly. So she auditioned, she got the role, and then she got paired with this other actor randomly. But here's what she said. She said, I remember that one of the cameramen did not know that the cuddling was in the script. And he kept saying to me and my co-star, you guys are so affectionate. And then he turned to the other camera operator and said, they've been like this all day. It's so funny. And she was like, no, it was scripted. It was scripted. (laughs) She also remembered that they shot in the LA Times building. She remembered that we had amazing food and that the cast and crew were so nice. But she said what's so heartwarming to her about that memory is just how everyone on set treated her like a friend. The crew, the cast, she said she just had the best time of her life and she'll cherish the experience forever. It was so nice. I love that. I also love what a very specific thing that Paul did. Paul was so thoughtful in filling out the world at the telemarketing company that he wrote in the script that there would be a young pregnant woman and her baby daddy. And that was so specific. Yeah, I I love that we often did that on the show where even minor characters who show up for just one episode, they have a story. That's so great. I just love it. Yeah. And there were a lot of deleted scenes. There's a lot of scenes you don't see of this couple and of all these people interacting with Michael. 
Yes, this couple loved Michael. They invited him out to dinner. There's a deleted scene with it. And once again, Jenna, I feel like our set decorators were having fun because there's all of these cartoon clippings. So many. So many. And then there's a white piece of paper that says, constant, continuous, Roger demands. Don't know. Don't know. Very strange. I saw it too. I don't know what it means. Well, Alan Wasserman as Nick Figaro was fantastic. I thought he was perfect. I loved his whole make the call, say the lines, make the sale. He was just like, I I believed him 100% that he was this guy. Well, you know, Ange, in addition to being a silent magician, I also worked as a telemarketer. And I can tell you that Alan Wasserman's performance is right on. He's like every boss I ever had in my telemarketing days. Well, you know, I worked at 1-800-DENTIST as an operator, and I would constantly get in trouble for not saying line number 13 correctly. Oh, yeah. The scripts are very specific. Mm -hmm. Like they've been researched. They've been put through focus groups. My job was to call people and get them to subscribe to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch newspaper. And we had a big deal on the Sunday paper. And I was supposed to push the Sunday paper. Well, line 13, if I remember, was something about like you would say what their ailment was and tell them the dentist you were going to send them to. Mm -hmm. And it was so stilted. And I remember I would say like, you know what? It sounds like to me you might need a root canal. I mean, that kind of pain like that sounds like an abscess. And literally my manager would come in waving his arms and he'd be like, you are not a dental professional. You cannot diagnose. Yeah. You have to say this line exactly. Well, let me help you with that toothache by finding a dentist for you in your area. Like, I can't say, sounds like a root canal to me. <laughs> like, you can't. What are you doing, lady? So I would get in trouble. Well, Jenna, should we get to Shroot Farms? Let's go to Shroot Farms. Jim and Pam are sitting on a couch in what looks like a sort of reception slash lobby area. And Dwight is explaining that there are three types of rooms available. He's checking them in. They can stay in America, irrigation, or nighttime. Pam immediately says irrigation. I mean, without thought. She was so positive. Yeah. I'm curious about nighttime, but I think I would have also chosen irrigation. And by the way, it doesn't disappoint. When Dwight shows them to their room, The irrigation room has a lot of pipes hanging from the walls. It's a wonderful design. Pipes with no purpose, though. No, no, no. It's decor. They're decorative. Yeah. Decorative pipes. Yes. And uh, two twin beds. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I believe, I don't know if there's a deleted scene of it, but there was a scene that we shot where you see that Jim and Pam have pushed the two beds together. In the morning, you see into the room and Jim and Pam have actually made it one bed. Yes. And I I was like, wait, is there two beds or one bed? And, And then I realized what they had done. Yes. Yes. But I really like this moment on the two beds with Jim and Pam when Jim says one in six. And Pam's like, what? And he's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you asked me, what are our chances of being murdered tonight? <laughs> yeah. And Jim has this really sweet talking head where he says he had 
this whole vision of what it would be like to have a weekend away with Pam, what, what, what our first trip away would be like. It's so romantic, really, and sweet. And he said it definitely would not have been, you know, wine made out of beets, probably not with Dwight, and definitely not with so much manure. Yeah, maybe some manure. But less. But less, less manure. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And we filmed all of these little moments that went under this talking head. So you see Dwight mashing up beets to make beet wine. And then you see us out in the field helping to shovel this manure. And then Mose gets into a manure, like a snowball fight with Dwight, but he's throwing manure. Mm -hmm. And I remember shooting all of that. We had a fan question from Matthew K. When Dwight and Pam are shoveling manure, was it real? And was the moment when Mo starts throwing manure at Dwight scripted, or was that just Mike Sure messing with rain? Okay, it was not real manure, right? It was not. It of was course fake. not. Yeah, it's no, fakey fake manure. Put it on our list. Yes, and it was scripted. This idea, this little snowball fight of manure that was in the script. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, fakey poo. I wonder what it was made of. It was just like dirt and there was some, you know, hay inside of it and mm -hmm. stuff. It was just like a muddy kind of mess. Right. So they probably could really pelt each other. <laughs> they probably could hurt. Yes. <laughs> Lady, I want to point something out about what? this episode. And this scene here when we're shoveling the manure is really your best look at it. Here is my thing. What the F am I wearing? I know. Did you look at my outfit in this episode? What is it? My pants look waterproof. Well, also, they don't fit. They're too long. They're all baggy. They, like, go over your shoes. They look like a pair of very, like, hip-hugger, waterproof cargo pants. Yeah. I don't know. And a very, very ill-fitted sweater. I know. And, and also, like, did we not alter anything did pam not want to look cute on her first night away with jim pam well i think lady look, i think you look very cute later in your gray tank top though you look very cute i do look really cute in my gray <laughs> you do you do when it's I time you for look, bed i was like oh jenna looks so cute but this outfit is a hot mess it really really is well you mentioned my little tank top angela and first of all i don't sleep in clothes like that i sleep completely dressed. Lee calls it my sleeping suit. He's like, it's amazing how you've covered up all of your skin from your neck down to your wrists, down to your ankles. Because I get cold at night, we've discussed. But Pam is in the cutest little tank top and pajama pants. It was freezing in that building. But it's a really cute moment because Dwight is reading them a bedtime story. He's reading them Harry Potter. And Jim and Pam are snuggling and Mose is listening. It's yes. like sweet and awkward all at the same time. Well, we had a fan question, a lot of fan questions about the Harry Potter book. Was he really reading? Yada, yada. Well, Emma H. has come to our rescue and she says, I am currently rereading the Harry Potter series and I just happened to come across the page that Dwight reads to Jim and Pam it is page 85 from the Deathly Hollows book. It is the scene when Voldemort is interrogating Ollivander and the Wand Maker. 
Now, I'm sorry if I stumbled through that, but I am not familiar with this series. This falls into the Star Wars area for me. Okay, Jenna. Okay. Well, did I say those names right? Voldemort? Voldemort. Isn't that the person you're not supposed to say? Yes, exactly. And Ollivander. Well, that is fantastic. I love to know where that is in the book. So thanks for that catch, Emma. And before we move away from this lovely Harry Potter reading, Jenna, here's my thing about Pam's outfit. What? Pam is doing what you do at the beginning of a relationship where you're still trying to look cute at bedtime. That will pass. (laughs) Maybe that's what she really sleeps in. I need to know this, actually. Whenever I watch TV shows or movies and women are in the morning, they're in like getting coffee in the morning or they're Mm -hmm. they're going to bed at night. Mm -hmm. They're always dressed in these like little pajamas with the little shorts and the little tank tops or something. I don't know. Sometimes women are wearing like... Like, what are those things like silken shift dress things to bed? Lingerie? Lingerie? Not not full lingerie, but like a, you know, a what are they called? They're like silk or satin. What are they called? I don't know. But I used to have little tank top and short combos. I would get them at Target, like pajamas. And in the summer, I would sleep in shorts. I mean, because, you know, I'm always going to have my place nice and warm. (laughs) Sam just wrote a slip. (laughs) Yeah, like a slip dress thing. Yes, like a silky, slippy dress pajama thing. Who sleeps in that? Anyone out there, literally any woman listening, have you ever slept in one of those when you weren't trying to impress a man? Just because you're like, this is what I love to sleep in. This is my go-to. I love to sleep in, in a silk slip. Yeah. Negligee, a negligee. That's yes, a negligee. Who sleeps in a negligee for reals? Well, there there was a time in my life I would have slept in a tank top and shorts, but now I live with a mountain man who freezes me out, and I'm sorry, those days are gone. I'm fully, I'm in my sleep suit, Jenna. All right. Well, so everybody is winding down for the night at Shroot Farms. Michael is still at work. He's still telemarketing, but it's time for his dinner break. Yes, it's dinner time. And his cubicle mate right next to him is Vikram. Vikram is played by Ranjit Chowdhury. He does such a phenomenal job. I thought it was perfect. Everything he said as an actor, he just sort of threw it away, you know, and it I just thought he was a phenomenal actor, and I just thought he crushed all of his scenes. It was so believable. Vikram is eating mixed masala and eggplant and rice. His dinner looks amazing, and it looks like it was prepared with love and is in all these little nice containers. And Michael is having a vanilla crisp bar. Yes. Which is a real thing. It's a power bar. Yeah. Yeah. But what you see is that you know, well, Jan doesn't know where Michael is, but she certainly hasn't sent him to work with a lovely meal no. the way Vikram's partner clearly has. Ranji, very sadly, he passed away in April of last year. He was so great to work with. And guys, he's going to come back for another episode. You might remember he is part of Michael's dream team when Michael mm-hmm. starts the Michael Scott Paper Company. So I got to work with him when he came back. And I got a few facts on him because I just thought he was so wonderful. You know, his mother was a theater teacher and an actress. His stepfather was a theater director. And he just, he worked his whole life as an actor and a writer. And 
he just had this very long career as an artist and comes from a long line of artists. So he's just amazing. I loved watching him in his scenes. I agree. Well, after they have dinner, Michael is sort of holding court with the other telemarketers. They love him. He's talking about Die Hard and how Die Hard won the original. John McClane was just this normal guy. You know, he's just a, a New York City cop. And then he gets his feet cut and gets beat up. Jenna, I had just watched Die Hard over the holidays. We were picking Christmas movies and it's a kind of a great Christmas movie. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And right out of the gate, Josh turns to me and goes, I would have put my shoes on the minute I heard gunfire. I would have put my shoes on. (laughs) This was a really hard thing for Josh to get past that this guy had no shoes on for like the whole movie. And also... Also, he takes the shoes off this enormously tall Nordic guy, right? Mm -hmm. He's just died. Massive dude. And he's like, shoes are too small. And we're like, okay, we're going to call BS on that. (laughs) There's no way that dude's feet are smaller than yours, Bruce Willis. What's happening? Yeah. Well, you know, and then the thing happens in this movie that's real hard for me, where he gets the piece of glass in his foot. And he does not take care of that properly. He just does not. No. But it's I mean, a- I know he doesn't have a lot of options, but that kind of stuff, it just, ooh. It gets you. Well, anyway, everyone is loving Michael's theory on Die Hard and the Die Hard series. And one of the coworkers is like, dude, you should review movies. They're like, yeah. And, and then Michael's like, actually, I'm writing a movie. Yeah. Threat Level Midnight. Yeah. And they're like, oh, ooh. But I just think it's so incredibly charming that Michael is like, he's the cool dude. He's the cool dude at this place. I know. Well, back at Shroot Farms, Pam hears a very strange knocking noise. She -hmm. decides to investigate. And it's Moe's in an outhouse. An outhouse. And the wind is blowing the door. Whack, whack, whack. And, And Pam is like, what century is this? I know. Well, Paul told me this is one of his favorite shots from this episode because it's all one long tracking shot and they had to time it out. They had to, you know, rack focus from Pam out to the outhouse. And oh, poor Mike Schur had to sit out there and just wait for us every time we would reset. I mean, again, (laughs) put through the ringer in this episode. You know, it was cold out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I want to point out, in an earlier episode, when Dwight is telling us about Shroot Farms, he says that there's only one bathroom and it's under the porch. Oh, nice catch. So I like to think that maybe when he decided to do the B&B, he upgraded to an outhouse. A proper outhouse. Yes. (laughs) This is my backstory for the Shroot Farms outhouse. So they figure out what that sound is. So now Jim and Pam are going to go back to bed. But now there's like a a wailing, like a moaning. Yes. I mean, it's like, what is that noise? And so Jim, it's like his turn. So he's going to check it out. Well, at 15 minutes, 40 seconds, he approaches a door. Did you notice the wooden plaque says private room? Yes. Right? Yes. He goes in and Dwight is holding the cherub figurine and moaning, but very briefly, and I'm talking very briefly, at 15 minutes, 52 seconds, over Jim's shoulder, you can see a little bit of a poster. Mm -hmm. And I zoomed in on this poster, 
And the legs, it looks like a rock and roll band. And the legs of the pants are white with gray stripes, like skin tight pants. You can't really make out the face, but I got obsessed with these pants. And I started looking up every Montley Crew poster I could find because I'm positive it's Montley Crew, right? It's Dwight. Okay. It's got to be Montley Crew. I'm telling you it is. I found a photo of Tommy Lee in the same white, skin-tight, stripy pants. <laughs> and there is no doubt in my mind that in the private room, the love sanctuary of Angela and Dwight, that there is a Montley Crew poster. If you remember... On their album, Decade of Decadence, 81-91, there's a song called Angela. It's going to come into play later. Sam, hit it. Wow. Yeah, that poster of Motley Crue, you know what that means to Dwight. It's his lady. It's his heavy metal. And and fans that have watched the show all the way through, I don't want to do any spoilers. That song's going to come back in a big way later. Wow. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what I noticed in this scene. At 16 minutes, we have got a huge duh white from Jim. <laughs> but then at the end of the scene, when he's leaving the room, he throws out a regular Dwight. No. We have a Duh White and a Dwight in the same scene. He never said Dwight. He always no. said Duh White. Is this the one time John says Dwight? Well, I listened to it several times. Oh, my gosh. Because this is our job. You're listening to that over and over. Meanwhile, I'm Google searching like rock and roll band pants. Well, I think he says Dwight, like Dwight. But it's the closest thing to a Dwight we're going to get. Okay. (laughs) Well, guys, before we finish up here, we've got one last scene. It's the end of Michael's work day. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's walking outside. Everyone's inviting him to come to the bar with him. Come on, Michael. We want to spend more time with you. Yeah. But he can't. Yeah. Jan has come to pick him up. She gets out of the car and she says, you drive. I've had too much wine. Great. Glad you drove here. Yeah. Thought the same thing. And then Michael's like, how was yoga? She's like, I didn't go. And he's like, why? And she's like, I just didn't. Oh, oh, so sad. The Jan spiral man. And she's going to take Michael down with her. Oh, yeah. And then Vikram tells Michael, listen, man, you might be able to nab that bonus if you just work a little harder. Vikram gives a, you know, a little pep talk there at the end. He's like, just stick to the script. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Michael. Well, I love this episode. I love breaking down this first part. I can't wait to get to the next part. And thank you so much, everyone, for sending in your questions. And I, we just, Jen and I just freaking love doing this. We just love it. We love it. All right. Well, we will see you next week for Money Part 2. Money Part 2. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our show is executive produced by Cody Fisher. Our producer is Cassie Jerkins. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. 
For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.